My name is Gianni Russo, a.k.a. Carlo, the infamous son-in-law from The Godfather. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. Before all of the wins in my portfolio, I was a little boy diagnosed with polio. Welcome, everybody. It's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast with my compadre, Mr. Pat Piccarello. Picciarella, Picciarella. I don't know who that guy was. I don't know. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Good, good. Okay, today uh, we're going to discuss something that's been in the news uh, because of its its value. Uh, We're going to discuss a case of a uh, mafia boss in Sicily who was on the lam for 30 years and was finally caught. And this uh, captured the attention. You know, everybody's, you know, anything that has to do with the mob, people are interested in. But Johnny and I are particularly uh, interested in this this guy is because he evaded the police for 30 years. And you can always figure, well, he paid this guy off, he paid that guy off. But still, I looked at the map, all right, Sicily. He spent all his time in Sicily. There's been rumors he's traveled, but they couldn't establish that. But Sicily is about the size of Massachusetts, all right? And you can only control and and have power in the area which you control. And this particular uh, mafia boss, his name was uh, Matteo Denaro, controlled Western Sicily. So now you're cutting the pie in half. So he was loose in that country for 30 years without getting caught. And uh, we'll, we'll get into how vicious this guy was. But first, a little background. Uh, well, let's, it, I'll tell everybody how he was caught, if you don't already know. Uh, the word got out that he was ill, which isn't a big stretch. He's a 60-year-old man. You know, things start to creak and bend and hurt and whatever. And, you know, 60-year-olds are more likely to see a doctor than a 30-year-old, which was how old he was when he first vanished. So they started checking hospitals in Sicily, uh, particularly looking for cancer patients, colon cancer in particular, because apparently uh, someone had said he was being treated for colon cancer. So they ran through every male in Sicily that was being treated for colon cancer. Must have been a significant number. And they discovered one doctor's visit to see a colon cancer specialist that didn't match the name on the list that they had. So they figured this could be the guy. And it was the guy. They just waited for him to leave the hospital, surrounded by all kinds of cops. He, he just, yeah, he he knew basically, excuse me, he knew basically that the jig was up. Oh, he's going to run, yeah, when you're surrounded like that. They're well, too, he, you know, it, it, according to the article, this was in the New York Post, he appeared to be considering bolting, you know, look around, check out the the territory, but he 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 figured. That, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get into his head. Why give them an excuse to kill him? You know, so he, he surrendered then and there. They asked him what his name was. And he confessed. So, yes, you got me, basically. Now, this is a guy who was raised in a mob family. And his father got on the bad side of a mafia boss name, name of uh, Rina, R-I-N-A, uh, who was very brutal. And he had it in for other other mob clans. There's a lot of infighting over there. Anyway, Rena spared uh, De Niro's son, Matteo, which is the guy who eventually got, got in the mob. And uh, Matteo De Niro's father was so thankful that Rena spared his life that he gave his 14-year-old son, Matteo, to Rena. And said, yeah, "Thank you so much." And he's yours. And he, he and then the, the the kid, fourteen at the time, well, he was fourteen, by the way, when he killed his first person on an order from Rena to see if he was indeed loyal. And he was. And over the years, uh, this guy uh, became a, a a power unto himself. And the the the, the hunt for this guy, they figured. Uh, the police, one of their ploys was to publish a picture of him in the 
in uh, one of the papers and on television to show what he would look like dressed as a woman. And there's a uh, macho thing with these guys. And he figured that would piss him off. And somehow he would surface or deny that he dressed as a woman. Uh, but he did. He just stayed. No, but let me you so they, they had information that he was going incognito dressed as a woman? No, they just oh. said that to embarrass him. So oh, he, he figured this powerful guy, and, and it's humiliating, and he, he figured he would come to his own defense and leak to the press, somehow reach out to the press, saying that, no, he would never dress as a woman. And that might have led the police to capture him or at least get closer to him. That's, that's uh, an interesting ploy. <laughs> well, it was interesting, but it didn't work. Oh, no. Uh, at one point, and this is something you may know, Gianni, the police followed a lead that took uh, De Niro to New York City. They were never able to confirm it. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I was a cop for a long, long time, and I'm still in law enforcement, basically. I mean, I'm a PI. When there's a lead and the cops can't confirm it and, in this case, make the capture, they consider it false information. So it saves a little face, you know. But I'm asking you, over the years, have you ever heard that this guy coming to this country, this particular guy? The only reason I know about him being here, I didn't meet him, was a while ago, about four, five, six years ago, when another young gentleman out of that group, they sent here to take over the Gambino family. Right. And he was living up in Toad Hill, which was the mistake I think he made, but on the advice of other people. But he was so low-key. And... um that's, I mean, that's the interesting thing because, you know, having this conversation, I go back of hearing stories of Vito Genovese and different people, even Albert Anastasia, who we all know died in, in the 40s. But Albert, most people don't know, lived on the Hudson. Did you know that in New Jersey? Yeah, they had, I saw a documentary. They, that, in fact, his house was a, was a focal point of this documentary. Nice house. Oh, not only that, but the, did they mention in the, in the in the about the house that it had its own port on the bottom? And he no, goes, they just put the, they just showed the house, you know, footage. That's no, the they, they, they used to sit. They used to sit out there and watch his house, and he wouldn't leave the house for days. They thought, yeah, he was leaving by water and coming right across the Hudson. You mean there was a tunnel to somewhere? No tunnel. It was right there. It was a boathouse. It looked like okay. a garage in the yard. But why I'm bringing it up, there are a few people like the guy I told you just mentioned. He mentioned. I, I was so enamored because I, I met the guy many, many years ago when I was living in Villa Ejea in Palermo. And he was good friends of Ugo Wufu, who remained my friend till he died. And, and then another gentleman, which is ironic, that we were now in this conversation about people going undercover. I took Bobby De Niro and Terrence Winter about four or five years ago. They didn't know where we were going. We we're going private on Bobby's jet. And but, well, hold you up. explain who Terrence Winter is to people who might not know. Terrence Winter is probably one of the most legendary producers. In mob stuff, he did Boardwalk Empire. He was he, he was in all all the big ones, yeah. and Bobby optioned a story that was in Playboy magazine many years ago about Tony Accardo in Chicago, and how somebody robbed his house, and they they wanted to do a TV thing on that. And there was one guy, a lawyer. I mean, he just passed on. I mean, it was funny that this guy just died. And that's the reason I'm talking about him, is Bernard Bruno. Bernard Bruno was a lawyer, not only for Ricardo, but a guy nobody even knew about until he died. Until he died, they realized his last name is Rapa, Frank Rapa. And this guy. From Sicily. From Sicily. Yeah. And I knew his brother. I, I, I used to have dinner with him. Yeah. They used to come into to Rome. We used to uh, eat at the Ambassadori Hotel. And he was good friends with Nick Nitti. 
And he disappeared about 30, 40 years ago. He was a boss. Major boss. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he he basically he, he went on the lamb. But I remember when you and I when that first met, but it had to be like five years ago. You brought this guy up, but you wouldn't tell me his name. No. The wife he was alive. Yeah. No. Okay, he came to your house. Oh yeah. Oh, he used to, that's why I'm saying they used to come here. Yeah. And and uh, we have dinner here. But the interesting thing how they did it. Like even even uh, Ugo Bufa, Ugo Bufa's daughter, who was married to very prominent people in Switzerland, a car dealership, she would rent a house in Pacific Palisades in California, and he had come for three or four months. How he came in, I thought was ingenious because when most people don't realize, when Sicilians especially migrate to America. They go to San Diego, New Orleans, or Canada, and then come in. Because Canada, you know, they just come through the border, come to New York. Mm. And, and everything's being so watched. But Hugo would go to San Diego, not into New Mexico, not New Mexico, uh, Tijuana, right on the border. Yeah. And there were so many, you know, fishing boats, whatever. They would pick him up. And take him to Santa Monica. Okay, let's back up this a little. So he, he he comes into Mexico. I'm sure some cash changed hands here. Not really, because he came on his Italian passport. Nobody cares. He could fly into Mexico. He was wanted in Sicily or not? Yeah, wanted, major and wanted in Sicily. So there was no international warrant out for this guy? They weren't even looking for him. Why would he go to Tijuana? They thought he, they thought he was in Sicily. Makes sense. Okay. And he, I mean, this guy. I mean, he he was so and I'm, the style of him, and he was a, a close one of the closest friends of Vito Genovese. In fact, when Vino went back, when Vito went back, you know, when they deported him, he was with this guy every day. And I mean, the power that they have. But why I want to bring him up now, Rapa, why I'm bringing him up, he just died. But he was living in Chicago. <laughs> How long? 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> and when we landed the plane, I'll never forget De Niro's eyes because we flew in. And he said, why are we going to Chicago? I said, well, we're going we'll to we're get other instructions where to go from there. Because, you know, you have them go on the manifest and say what your destination is when you're leaving the tower. But when we landed in Chicago, on the tarmac, police cars came. Chicago police cars. Yeah. And De Niro said, what's going on? I said, calm down, don't worry about it. And I'll say who it is. I mean, I'll say what area, because nobody nobody's going to say anything. These guys, they ran it. The Melrose Police Department <laughs> used to protect this guy. Remember, they knew who he was. He was a little old man. But if you know who he was, he's a little old man. Yeah, but he's a big little old man. Yeah, but enormous. This guy yeah. is enormous. But long story short, now they they buy this story, and I tell them about this guy, and they all knew him. Terrence even knew him. They knew he was like a legend. And I said, well, I could arrange for you to meet him. They said, what? I said, yeah. And Bobby went crazy. And especially Bruno. They wanted to talk to Bruno because Bruno was a part of this article because he represented, Ocado never talked to the police. Yeah. The lawyer did. And they all knew this guy was like, I mean, major guy. Yeah. It was him. So we, we fly into Chicago. The police cause come right to the, you know, the steps of the plane. We get in two different vans and we go to Melrose Park on a Sunday morning. We left here 630 in the morning. In fact, that's the picture that's on my bar or even on my website. We get to Dan Arrow's plane. I said, Bobby, you have no hostess? What for? It's a street. It's all real. We got the crew. 
I said, well, then you're making the martinis. Because at 6 o'clock in the morning, I was still up. I didn't go to bed yet. <laughs> Where am I going? <laughs> so I have a picture of Bobby making us martinis. And then he had one, and then Terrence had one. And we were drinking martinis at 6.30 in the morning. We get to Chicago in no time, obviously. We were there before 8, eight you know. And we're gonna, they're opening a restaurant that's closed on Sundays for us to meet. And we're only going to be there a couple hours because we had to tell the pilots so when, when estimated time had taken off. And here comes this old man with lawyer. And nobody could believe it. It was like God walking out of the tomb on, on Easter so, morning. How old was he at the time? Because you, you told me he was 101 when he recently died. Right. So he, he had to be 96, 97. The lawyer at the same time is the same. They, they all just died together. I mean, I can't believe how these guys traveled around. But the, like we were talking, how this guy stayed undercover. But when you have that kind of money and power. Yeah, but still, he there was a lot of luck involved here because there's no such thing. Oh, as yeah. Well, it was all when, luck. When, when two people know about it, and now you're talking about cops, and, uh, you know, somebody who wanted a Oh, this guy put out a lot of money. Yeah. No, no. I, I think this guy just got caught because they were done with it. When somebody's trying to move in, we all, unfortunately, their whole business today is heroin. Yeah. I mean, so to, to own it, like you said, he was the head of the Western part of Sicily. Yeah. I mean, there's only four or five major bosses in that area doing this kind of business yet. Well, you know, you're on, you're on the land for, for 30 years. You're, you're the head of a family. Over time, you have to lose some, some control. You're constantly hiding. Not really, because you're still in your house. I mean, hold on. Look at, I'm, the only reason I'm saying this is because in a comparison, I was in... Pablo Escobar's house that he built with the understanding, because the understanding the Mexican government had with the uh, uh, American government, they wanted him captured. So he said he returned himself in once he finished his prison. He built yeah. his own prison. I, I, yeah, he built his own prison. That's, that's, I mean, that's so that, that, that's the kind of money we're talking about. And I'm talking about a prison with carnival rides in the backyard for his kids. I know all, all kinds of women and um, oh, yeah, chefs. Yeah, and, yeah, everything. Yeah. I mean, that was the, that was the deal. I know, but this, that's when you're saying though, if you have that kind of power, he's, he's doing a billion, a billion a month. Yeah, you could buy anybody. Well, it, well, there's somebody he didn't buy because somebody eventually. Told him, I don't know exactly where. Here's what he would do, according to this article. I'm not in the in crowd here. He would go from small farm to small farm, and he would leave instructions at the farm he was in when he was about to leave it. So he would leave one farm to go to another farm with written instructions in the farm he just left, and his people would come and read the written instructions. I don't know who had privy to this guy personally, but I would think that's the guy who turned him in. Yeah, Hello. obviously. You, you, Hello. If, if, if more than two people know, it's not a secret. But That's, you know, I'm, I'm surprised. No, when you're talking about that kind of money, and you know the guy is sick, now you're contemplating. I've been basically kissing this guy's ass for thirty years. If I'm if I'm second in command, now he's got colon cancer. That yeah. could take another four or five years. Yeah. Well, but what you do? And, and he was a he was a big ladies' man. He had a mistress who they name in the article, but it's not important. The cops were watching her for years, and they could never connect them. He was in the apartment next door in the same building. So when she wanted to see him, she left her apartment and went to the one he yeah. was in. And they never thought about checking out the people in the building. So that after a while, they locked her up, uh, whatever charge they can invent, and they were figuring maybe that might draw him out. He, he, he let her go to prison because he had a whole bunch of other women. He was known as a ladies' man. While he was on the lam, he was buying custom-made suits. He favored Rolex watches, Porsches. He loved Porsches. So he buys all this stuff, has suits made for him. Where's he going to go? 
No, but I mean, he can go anywhere he wants. He probably bought restaurants and nightclubs. I know how yeah. this can work. I mean, I, the guy I'm talking about who nobody ever found and died of old age in Switzerland. And um, Ugo Buffa. In fact, if anybody knows Switzerland, th there's different water locks. So you can only buy certain size boats to yeah. get to the main thing. This guy bought Sicily 1, Sicily 2, Sicily. He named the boats Sicily 1, <laughs> Sicily 2, Sicily 2. That's how many, much money he had on payroll. I mean, yeah. we went everywhere. Well, we mentioned, we mentioned Ugo Buffa in our first book, very right. briefly. Oh, yeah. uh, he, he has something with a fingernail. Yep. Tell me no, again. He, I forgot what I wrote. <laughs> no, no. What? What? See, the old Sicilians in in the town itself, they would grow a long finger. And if they're right-handed, would be the right-hand finger. And people, this was a, a a thing they knew. That was to show you didn't do hard labor. Because <laughs> if you could have a particular finger or pick one, what? Any particular finger. The pinky of the hand you are. If it's a right hand, okay. right hand guy, yeah. it's not pinky. And I mean, and on that pinky also, he had amazing, an amazing one stone, not a big stone, but a four carat VVS one. And this now we're talking about a guy that's five five, yeah, with height, with elevator shoes on the third floor. <laughs> this guy was, this, and maybe maybe weighed one hundred and ten pounds. Yeah, and talk about a womanizer, like you're saying. Yeah, I mean, his last girlfriend, Carolyn, was but not even a ten; it was a twelve. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. I mean, but uh, you have that kind of money; they don't care. And don't forget, we're talking about, like you pointed out, this is a, a country that's the size of Massachusetts. Yeah, this guy's doing a billion dollars a month. Oh, he, he spread it around, I'm sure. But eventually, you know, when he when he was captured, you know, uh, they they had the hospital surrounded. So naturally, people are going to take notice what's going on here. So a crowd showed up, and when he was when he walked out of the building and was captured, immediately somebody said, "This is Matteo Denaro." The crowd went crazy. They were applauding, jumping up and down. Apparently, not a very popular guy because he killed everybody. You, oh well, yeah, no. I yeah. mean, the, the brutality. Uh, uh, he, you know, there's an kind of guys had to keep them. You know, we've had these conversations with people before. Yeah. Anybody of that kind of power has to be feared. It's not the money. You got to be way, feared. The only way to maintain control. Yeah. I mean, if, if you if you're one man, but there's an an unwritten rule, so to speak, in in, in this country too. You kill, you kill, you kill, but it's about business. Denaro uh, went way beyond that. Uh, for example, uh, he was interested in this particular woman. He was known as a womanizer and, and a, a, a prolific one. No, I know a lot about this guy. You know, if you if you disrespected him, yeah. you're dead. You're dead. Exactly. You're dead. He, you can't even killed. you can't even insult him publicly and not know who he is. You're dead. A, what happens if you make a mistake? You had a couple of cocktails. Well, <laughs> and, sorry. And Somebody, the next thing you know, you wake up dead. Anyway, he wanted this woman, and he 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 personally shot her boyfriend while he was riding on his motorcycle, and everybody oh, knew sure. it. And he, and and he he winds up with the girl. Well, yeah. he was known as Diabolic. That was his nickname. Diabolic ends in a C. Is a cartoon character in Sicily where it ends in a K. So he got the nickname Diabolic, ending in a K. The guy was untouchable, and he was freaking mean. No, uh, I mean, you're those kind of guy. Well, you know, we we, we had a slight, um, at arm's distance, We, the people in our audience would know. John Gotti, when he got to where he was, he was like that, man. Yeah, he didn't attend a meeting. It's a famous uh, uh, quote that got him on tape. You know why I clipped whatever his name was? Be be because I called him and he didn't come. He yeah. was in the Bronx. Visiting was time. Yep. Visiting a sick relative. Shit yep. happens. What happens if you get caught in traffic? You're a dead man. No, I'm I mean, the guy you're talking about. He was his wife was sick. He was in the hospital. Visiting yeah, yeah. Legitimate reason. 
I know yeah. that. I mean, they get so insane. But why I was bringing up regimes, regimes, I was a big nightclub here for people don't know. Oh, yeah. And he, he would walk in there every night. He'd go to dinner and do whatever. And he'd show up 12, 1 o'clock. The liquor law was too, but once he got there, never they closed the door. That was it. They'll stay there all night. And he had all of these young underlings trying to, you know, because they knew the boss was coming. Yeah. They would send bottles of Cristal to him because that's what he was drinking at the time. He'd always yeah. drink Cristal. For those of you who don't know, it's like 200 a bottle. Maybe a little more. In a nightclub, it's 500 above. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. But the interesting thing is that when he went to jail, regimes had to close. <laughs> and you know how, how much money they had just in the champagne? Because he wouldn't let them. Sell. He kept the bottle. He had the closet downstairs. They yeah. wound up having half a basement of this guy's crystal. <laughs> that people were sending him. That people would send to his table. He had charged them all. They all paid. That's why they loved when John came in. Yeah. He'd come in and then it'd be at $20,000, $25,000 a night because John was there. But forget the rest of the guests. But I've seen or heard, I should say, I heard where somebody went, guy got up, went to the bathroom. And his wife was gorgeous. And she was eyeing John and John was eyeing him. So he sends two of his guys in the bathroom. And when he comes out, they grab the guy right at the door. And they take him to, they knew everybody in the place. He's getting him his coat. He's leaving. He said, I ain't leaving. My wife's still here. He says, you're leaving. And he left. The wife went with John. I mean, that's the kind of power. When I hate to say it. Some women, like you said, this guy, he killed his boy. But where did she go? Right with him. Hello. Goodbye. Yeah. Well, that's uh, uh, Vito Genovese uh, famously did the same thing. Oh, yeah. He had, a, had an eye on a chorus girl who was married to an accountant. And uh, he got, he accidentally tripped and fell off a roof. Yeah. He winds up marrying this woman. And of course she knew what was going on. But uh, Denaro, when he gained power, his, the, 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 the brutality, I mean, I'm reading this uh, off a list. All right. Uh, he, he murdered two anti-mafia judges, strangled a pregnant woman. Uh, uh, he blew up. Uh, he, he put bombs in Milan, Rome, Florence, including an art gallery in, in, in Florence that left five civilians dead and destroyed the building. And it also destroyed uh, paintings by Rubens, the most famous artist on the list, and a whole bunch of others to, to make a point. No, he's uh, no, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's why when you digest the story, it has to be someone in his crew. Now that he's sick, he wasn't going to wait. Who else gave him up? Well, they, they, they specifically pinpointed colon cancer. So obviously somebody knew and gave him up. But uh, anyway, on that, on that happy colon cancer note, what do you say we go to a commercial? Oh, yeah, please. We're going to make some money. Yeah. We'll be right back. We are pleased to announce the publication of a new book series from Gianni Russo and Patrick Piccarelli entitled The Sixth Family. When the alleged daughter of Marilyn Monroe asks for help, Gianni Russo becomes entangled in a web of lies and violence in the search for the late actress's diary. Soon, he is enmeshed in a mystery that involves a presidential candidate, a disgruntled mafia copo, a retired NYPD detective, and the past of mafia boss Frank Costello. Russo must race against the clock to stop a hostile reorganization of the American Mafia while trying to stay one step ahead of a faceless killer. While listening to this book, skillfully read by Gianni himself, the listener will have to determine what is true and what is fiction. Or as Gianni says before this epic story begins, this book is a work of fiction, except for the parts that are true. Look out for the second installment of this exciting new series coming in 2023. The Sixth Family. Book One is available now on Amazon.com. All right, we're back, please. All right, so uh, we were talking about uh, 
uh, Matteo Denaro and his uh, uh, violence streak. So in addition to what I said before the commercial, he blew up national monuments in a museum. It was his way of saying we are powerful and we can get anywhere and to anyone that we want. Well, they did that years ago. Remember when they were cracking down in Sicily? They they knew what entrances to the to the highway that magistrates would go to. They blew them up in their own cars. And uh, can you imagine killing a judge here? Hello. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, there was only one federal judge ever killed. In, it's, well, there was one killed during the Civil War. Since the Civil War. Uh, just just one uh, judge was killed. That was in Texas, wasn't it? Yeah, in fact, it was, what's his name? The actor Harrelson, what's his first name? Yeah, his father. His father killed him. Yeah, his father. His father was uh, an international hitman, and he and, and he killed a judge from a long distance with a rifle. And he was called, like, the next day. And he eventually died in prison. Uh, but, no, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know what? We're talking about another guy that I laughed at. Because I was wondering why, when uh, he was on a live forever, ever, in Santa Monica with his girlfriend, Bulger. Oh, Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger. So I, I, I knew he was there. I knew he knew to call me if he needed some from some other friends of ours. And the funniest thing is, on Sundays. Sometimes, if you wanted to come, I'd send my car and they'd go pick him up. My little kids knew him as Uncle Whitey. Oh, jeez. No, but he's a nice guy. But the funniest thing is, how could he be there? And he's living in an apartment under his girlfriend's name for all those years. They don't look up Trace. Like what I'm saying, some of these people turned a blind eye. Well. They eventually, the, the FBI eventually saw the light and said, let's stop looking for Whitey and start looking for his girlfriend. But how and many it, years did it take? 13. <laughs> oh. But but after they changed tactics, I mean, I, I, I don't want to bash any law enforcement organization. Oh, no, no, no. But I've worked with, with the FBI. And, you know, everybody's human. Everybody has has the frailties. And, you know, the, the, the FBI isn't as uh, omnipotent and powerful. Well, they're powerful. But they aren't any smarter than any. Than anybody else. In fact, there was there was a cop. You remember during the Watergate crisis, when, uh, Richard Nixon got in all that trouble, yeah. and had the Watergate tapes and everything. There was a New York City lieutenant, retired lieutenant, that was uh, on his uh, security team and testified during the uh, Watergate hearings. I'll never forget this. Uh, I, I was watching it live. And I forget this this cop's name. This Polish guy. He said, "Let me tell you something." He said, if this operation was run by a couple of retired New York City cops, we wouldn't be sitting here now. <laughs> you know, I mean, people talk, they get people that are weak, people that, that you know, that you couldn't trust. And, and everybody cracked up. But, you know, he was right. No, I believe that, too, because, you know, these, I mean, first of all, FBI, I mean, they, these, I don't know, if they don't get a squealer, they're not solving a case. It's, it's well, everybody, well, everybody's ratting everybody out. Well, you know, that's uh, that, that, that seems to be the case. You know, I, I uh, wrote a book once about a, uh, a jewel thief. I can say his name, George Feeder. Uh, he, he did time in prison, but not not for doing what what he was brought up to do, which was a high end jewelry theft. Uh, he always told me, he said, if you want to get away with something, work alone. And I oh, said, well, yeah. you, you did nine years in prison. He said, I'll tell you how that happened. He said, I got so full of myself. I mean, this guy was uh, probably the, the, the most prolific high-end jewelry thief in the country. He would only work in, in uh, 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 he would never burglarize a house. It was always apartment buildings, uh, penthouses. Uh, uh, was that Murph the Surf? No, his name was George Feeder. Yeah, Murph the Surf used to scale buildings. And he goes and steals the Star of India. What's he going to do with it? <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's what he had a customer for it. Hello. How did that work out? 
I mean, you know, he, but the, the no, point he is, a cousin. I knew, you know, we used to play backgammon with this guy and Connie Dinkler. I mean, you can't even believe this. Connie Dinkler owned the mousetrap. And they all lived off of Biscayne Bay in the same building that he robbed. He'd come and play backgammon. Only two people knew that this was worth the serve. He was scoping the building. He used to come and play. But he, that's, I mean, but like you said, and he worked alone and he got caught. Well, I tell you, uh, George ha had a system. His, his saying was, and this is what I was going to title the book. The book never got published, by the way. But anyway, uh, the higher the score, the higher the floor, the bigger the score. So makes uh, and it makes sense because you buy a, a condominium, the higher the floor, the more expensive it is. He would just work in penthouses. And he specialized in like the Chicago's Miracle Mile, Beverly Hills, or just the high-end areas. But he, he liked Florida, he liked Miami. He was never caught doing the jewelry thefts. But he would stroll down the street in a disguise. His disguise was tennis whites. Because everybody there played tennis. Yeah. yeah. And, like, and he would, he would. Like being a, dressed at Santa Claus during Christmas. <laughs> yeah, he was a master lock picker. In fact, he taught me how to pick locks. And I still practice. Uh, he was good. And it, it's just fairly easy. Some locks are tougher than others. But uh, anyway, his, his thing was he would go to the rear entrance of the building. And he, he didn't know who lived up there. Just knows it's a penthouse and I'm going for it. Now, you have to understand the risk here, because if you get caught up there, there's no running. Yeah, the out. 30th floor, where are you going to go? So right. he would go, he would pick the, uh, the the rear service entrance lock, standing up, not looking at the lock. In other words, a lot, a lot of people bend down, and they, they have the tension bar, they got the pick, and they play with it. He would stand there like he was waiting for somebody to open the door for him. And while he's standing there, he would, by feel, pick the lock. He'd get in the building, go up to the top floor. Then he would pick an apartment. He would look around like he was looking for uh, an apartment. If there was like two on the floor, maybe three penthouses. Uh, he would get down on his hands and knees and sniff under the door. And if he smelled cooking, food, uh, animals, anything, he would disregard that. Like I said, didn't have it. Once he was in, and he, he, he never carried gloves, he never wore gloves. And when I talked to him about it, he said, I learned how to pull prints. That's what you do. You draw them back. People don't know. Yeah, that. but you know how difficult that is when you're under pressure. You know, you may no, make a mistake. I know where he, you were going with this. There's and, people and, told me this long ago, but uh, anything he touched, he would pull. Yep. And he gave himself exactly two minutes, and he would time himself. He would go into the uh, the apartment that he knew. First, he'd always ring the bell first, and if somebody answered, he'd make up some kind of story. And then he'd get down on his hands and knees and he'd sniff if there's any food odors or whatever. He'd go in there, start the clock. And I said, well, how did you know where the, where the jewels was? He says, they're always in one of several places. He said, usually they're in a jewelry box in the bedroom. I don't care what these jewels are worth. People keep them in a jewelry box. If they're looking to hide them, they hide them in one of two places or both. Where do you think people normally hide jewelry? Freezer or toilet. You got it. You're talking about a thief. You're talking to yeah. a thief. <laughs> I, I, he said, I would go right to the toilet, right to the freezer. And I, the, yeah. he said, I never, ever failed finding something. Jewelry box, freezer, toilet. And he yeah. said, I would never, he said there was furs, you know, very expensive furs. I'd never take anything that I couldn't put in my that's pocket. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, and he just walk yeah. away. And he said, and he said, as soon as he got out of the building, he would stash it somewhere. And if for some reason, he was under suspicion or some some cop uh, stopped him. He said, because he didn't have gloves and he had a good line of bullshit, he said they would always let him go. I said, well, how did you wind up in jail? This is the first time we just started talking. I went down to Florida you know, to, to prepare the book and take notes, whatever I had to do. Uh, these are This is when I was basically first starting out and I wasn't doing uh, books over the phone. I had actually go places. <laughs> How's that for a unique concept? Anyway, he said, I was, I had making so much money and he was young. He was in the twenties, thirties, forties. He said, I would charter jets, take my friends to the, to the Caribbean all on me. He says, I was spending millions. He says, I must've made a hundred million dollars in my time. I didn't have a pot to plant a petunia in. He said, and he was a bad drinker, no drugs, but a very bad alcoholic. He said, 
That's wow. what ruined it because he got approached by a, a, a gang of home invaders and he broke his own rule. Always work alone. Now he's working with three people. He said, the first home invasion, I got caught. Well, he didn't get caught. One of the two guys got caught. Then what do you think happened? Oh, right. So he, he did nine years and uh, he went straight. Uh, in fact, he sold a, a, a pit proof lock, I think, to Lowe's or one of those big home improvement stores, which set him up. And he, he, he never went back. He said, I said, you, you got to be tempted. He said, oh, yeah, I'm tempted all the time. He said, I see some people that have zero security, you know, and he said, I can walk in there and take whatever I want. He says, oh, truthfully, it's not easy, but he never did. And this, I went down there as probably in the mid nineties, I guess, maybe. How old was he? Just for curiosity. Well, I guess it's about, about our age. Oh, now you mean? Yeah. 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 But the, he started, uh, he went to uh, Newtown high school in Queens, the same high school I went to. Well, my first one got thrown out of there, but that's another story. But, <laughs> On his lunch hour, he would burglarize houses and uh, he got wind of a fence and he would go to this fence and say, look, this is my grandmother's watch and she's sick. And I'm trying to raise money. He said, I said, how long did that work for? He said, well, once. <laughs> he said, the second time I went, he said, hey, kid, you know, I know what you're doing. And he, he worked with this fence for a long time. But he started out when he was a young guy and uh, he had a, an established burglar that lived on his street, teach him how to pick locks. You know, taught him the ropes of the game, but he's been out of it for 30 years. I, I lost track of the guy. But the wow. point is, is like you're saying, there's always somebody around that's going to turn you in. They get caught doing something, they turn you in, all for money. Oh, no. That's, I mean, one, one thing, not that I did anything wrong, but because Stello always told me. And one time, some a friend of Costello said, Take this guy with us. Where? He says, With you. I said, No, excuse me. You, you whispered in my ear what you wanted. I, I can handle it. I don't need no guy. Because I, I learned that long ago, man. Yeah. Long before the Rico. And I was a teenager. I watched these guys rat themselves out. They talk about it even. Yeah. Be bragging in the club. Oh, what we did last night. Oh, you should have been with us. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I talked to cops on the job. Now, I've been, I, I've been off the job longer than I was on it. I retired in 88. But uh, it's a, you know, it's easier now. With uh, with the oh internet, God, said, yeah, you can do a search. He said, oh, "Searches, bullshit, searches." He said, "I go on Facebook. People are showing th th the shit they stole." Oh yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Just, just by people bragging, or you know, fanning out a bunch of hundred dollar bills, uh, spreading it out, taking pictures, and and posting on social media. I it's know. nuts. I learned a long time ago. In addition to everybody else that I spoke to. You know, you be very, very careful about who you trust. Make sure to a long established relationship that you can trust them. But if you're a criminal, you can never say that. No, no. There's somebody always going to be around that's going to, you know, turn you in, given the opportunity. Well, you know, that's why me, me turning 80, I never thought it'd be 80. I thought the life I was living in my teens and 20s and 30s and just kept going. And, I said, well, let's keep going while they're okay. <laughs> well, I tell you, in my estimation, the smartest thing you did was not get made. That's it. You got that right. And everybody who wanted would, it. Who would pass that up? How many people do you know pass that up? None. Not truthfully. None. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, I know guys that would, would kill, I mean, have killed for it. <laughs> no, I mean, it's. No, and I mean, I mean it's, it, it sounds crazy, but I, 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 and people say, how long have you been in the life? I said, well, life. You know what I'm talking about. I said, I'm in life every day. I don't know. I came out of my mother's womb. I've been in life. That's yeah. the only life I want to be in. Are you correct? That's, 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 that's smart. I mean, it's, uh, and most people aren't. There's that bragging factor. A lot of that, that people sink themselves just by telling, even if they're not going to broadcast, they tell somebody they know. You don't tell anybody anything if you're breaking the law. Nobody. Nobody. But I can't believe, you know, like we're listening. I don't want to mention these guys' names, but everybody who listens to podcasts got to know what I'm talking about. There's two guys that have been convicted of everything. And I can't believe the following they have and why. I mean, people kill their own family. And now this podcast stars. I love it. I mean, it's nuts. That's 
everybody has an audience, I guess. I guess. Well, you know, let's let's close out by in case people are wondering what's going to happen to this guy, Denaro. I mean, he's 60 years old. He's got colon cancer. You can trust me when I say he's not going to get the best medical care. No, get that and, right. And and even if he was healthy as a horse, he's going to die in prison, huh? Right. Yeah. And and what they're not going to do is give him what he's known for selling. They're not going to, he's not getting any morphine. He's not doing nothing. Well, he's, His he's, pain he's, is going to be. Yeah, right. He's going to suffer. All, all the people, I mean, the, the, the hundreds, if not thousands of people that, that he killed, he's going to pay for it while he's alive. But yeah, you're right. He was, uh, his crime of choice was heroin. Yeah. Uh, French Connection, that's where it starts. But it, oh, bottom line is it winds up here. Now it's no, no longer the French Connections, Afghanistan or wherever, but still, oh how many people did he kill selling that garbage? Oh, well, look at now, opium. This new, this, they, they, you know, they're, they're making it. This opioid. Opium? Opioid, rather. Oh, 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 yeah, opioids. Well, it's getting harder and harder to get. I mean, I've had several surgeries over the past few years. And then you know, after surgery, there's always a little bit of pain. And uh, as short, short time ago, it was like six years ago, I'd get uh, a vial of oxy, like 30 tablets. I never took them. Uh, I'm very anti-drug. But anyway, uh, now, given the same service. Oxycontin? Is what you're, I, yeah, oxy, yeah. You're talking I'll like give you. Oxy, I didn't know what you were talking about. I okay. figured out oxycontin. A doctor. Well, I've had surgery recently, and uh, they give you five pills of whatever kind of painkiller. Oxy's out. Nobody gets oxy anymore. But uh, I have a, I have the opposite reaction with painkillers. It wires me. And it's oh, usually the opposite true. with everybody else. They get dopey and happy and not me. I get wired by them. All my introductions through drugs, but through movies. Do you believe that? It's, it, started, <laughs> it started with Tony Curtis. He was taking pills in the morning. This and I'm saying everybody's knocking on his trailer door. He's he's giving these young actresses. I said, "What are you doing?" So they're gonna have it anyway. And and you know this is in the film business. I mean that's like having coffee in the morning, up as low as this down the other. They're on the thirteen, fourteen hours a day. It's like you know it, it, if I go a day without being productive, I'm angry at myself. Oh, and, I'm not like you. You know that by now. We we know. Oh, you you don't sit still. I mean, I I I, I get tired just listening to your schedule. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> no, but, uh, I, I but just, I'm just so happy being up and alive yet. So I'm trying to get as much as I can done. <laughs> yeah. I, on that happy note, uh, shall we close it out? Yeah, please. I think it was a great show and great research as usual, and it gave me an opportunity to talk to some of our old friends. Yeah. So okay, let me ask you one question before we go. When yeah. this old uh, uh, Sicilian mob boss died at 101, where did he die? In Chicago. What became of his body, you know? they. Had, but was interesting, he was living in Chicago under his wife's name as her brother. They had a normal funeral. Their body came with respect. He's buried. <laughs> He's buried in this country. Yeah. Huh? Buried right in, right in Chicago. Well, folks, you heard it here first because this is this is part of this story I, I heard like five years ago, but he was still alive and uh, out of respect and safety. You know, Johnny right. didn't tell me the person's name, but uh, you, you won't hear this on any other podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure, is right. <laughs> okay. I'll probably get some phone calls out of it. I'm sure you will. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, there's nobody around anymore. That's yeah, why we're. That's why we're, we're listening to people on podcasts saying what they're saying because nobody's coming them coming for them. They actually, I heard challenge. Come and get me. You know where I am. You're a tough guy. Come and get me. I'm saying to myself. He's lucky I ain't dying of cancer. I come down and blow him up on, on, on his podcast. <laughs> it's craziness. Yes. Uh, well, anyway. Now that I'm wrote another book, oh, you wrote this. This book blows me away. Yeah. This book, I'm shocked. It's so, so good. I never thought you could top the first book, to be honest with you. You know, the more I enjoy myself, the better I write. I think that's the way it is in life. 
Yeah. Now, this is why I'm 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 working with with other people now. I'm obligated. Well, I told you about it. I don't want to mention names or occupations or anything. But I'm uh, I'm working with somebody now, and I, you know I don't know these people, right. and it's difficult if you don't know somebody like you. You and I are friends, but we didn't start out that way. But uh, the easier it is to work with a collaborator because you're friends. The easier it is to write, and the more enjoyment you get out of it. Oh no, I mean my, myself too. I mean, I, I, we, I mean what you've done is genius, and for our audience, thank you for the, our support. Yes. Years and, and keep tuning in and tell your friends we love doing shows like this and send us any uh, you know any opportunities you'd like us to look into something for you and we'd love to do it man okay we'll see you next week all right buddy love you okay love you too pal right, have pal. a good night good night Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo or Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. My kids still can't believe I sat with a saint. My life's like scenes out of a movie. I'm the Hollywood Godfather, truly. I got stories with them all. You know, celebrities, world leaders, icons. Who knows what's next for me? I'll never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet. I'll be back until next time. And that was that.